man welcome to crow triple seven this is episode 267 jason lingren is with me and we finally have mr owen benjamin who's had me on his platforms endlessly jason and i've been pegged for so long having doubled down on what we delivered to the world uh since 311 the night that i stayed up to write the blog that's on crow triple seven radio this was no mystery to me as it poked up and as we go into it you can tell people are getting fed up you know, Jason and I were just passing back and forth music videos that are, they sound like Rage Against the Machine, as Jason pointed out. There's an F-bomb in every line. People have had it. I don't see people dying is one of the one of the uh, obvious lines out of the song. Point is, I know people, some people have been getting fed up with the Law series, but I'm sorry. Our mainstay will always be the things that we built this platform on. But right now, uh, we have to get these things on the record. And the reason is, uh, look what Peggy Hall did. Look what Alphonse has done. These are single minds that have pushed back, and there's a freaking house of cards where they pushed. There is no resistance when people quit being afraid. As a matter of fact, Jason pinged me today, said, make up a graphic uh, for the shirts that were given away at cost um, that says something to the effect. I, I don't know. It's something we've said in, in the episodes. The only contagion I see is fear. Um, that's what this is all built on, and it's all a smokescreen. And we're going to address these things. Um, Owen's a good guy to have on to do it. Uh, as many of you know, he was mainstreaming it in Hollywood. Um, and as time went on, he's one of the maybe quarter of a percent of people that would not give up his ideals or what he wanted to say for a paycheck, basically. I don't know if we'll get into that. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. Good afternoon. So do we have anything? Um, I'm hoping we'll have a connection all the way through this. We got 60 mile an hour gusts coming through here today that just came off Michigan. Well, I've got a beautiful day in Louisiana, but yep, we'll just have to play that one by ear. Yeah, I'm getting ready to do winter. Not my favorite time of the year. Anyhow, let's do it then. Welcome, Owen. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's, uh, it's a beautiful day here in Idaho. Very sunny, no wind. Skies are blue. Yeah, I miss the West Coasty kind of weather. I'm not a big fan of winter, but it does make you realize some things that matter in the world. But it's been a while since we caught up. Um, I know you have been very busy getting more self-sufficient and inviting others to join you. Yeah, man. And just uh, to fill in the listeners about a little of my backstory and and what got me to this point is, uh, you know, as you said, I was doing mainstream Hollywood um comedy, mostly stand-up comedy, which is still anchored in the truth, because if you're not saying things that are true, people don't laugh. But I was having, you know, movie and television success, and I was, you know, touring for a long period of time. And then it got to the point where the beast, the dark hand, whatever you want to call it, wanted me to not make fun of certain events that are were clearly funny and absurd. And I held my ground. And then it got even more tense when the transgender child movement came out and I publicly by name criticized a guy for what he was doing to his son. And my agents and managers said that they couldn't represent me anymore if I, if I thought this way, even though privately they agreed with me. And so I think that that kind of brought me to a position where I'm a few years ahead of a lot of people when it comes to dealing with how tyranny works, how fear works, how all this is, uh, is, is happening and how, you know, I have a very high tolerance for fear given my job. You know, my brother's an arborist, climbs trees for a living. So he's, it might be genetic or something between me and him. But, you know, to be able to do stadiums and tell jokes and not urinate in my pantaloons, I think it set me on a course where the fear 
algorithm didn't really cloud me like it did a lot of other people. And same with uh, the social shame elements of it. And I know a lot of people might think Hollywood is just for ghouls and goblins. You know, people will ask me, what's the craziest thing you ever did or saw in Hollywood? Kind of implying that we all sold our soul. And I'll tell you something. I never put a mask on a child or uh, did any of the countless things that I think a lot of people in their jobs right now are doing, which I consider soul selling. You know, I think the soul selling thing is kind of like when you agree to no longer be productive, no longer do your job and to sell out your fellow man. I don't think it matters what job you have, whether you're a, a middle school teacher telling kids to pull their masks up and recess or a Hollywood dude that slowly realized that I was going to be paid to not be funny. You know, I think it's the same moment for everybody to say, am I going to take the narrow path or am, am I going to be sucked into the oblivion of the beast? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, you and I talked briefly before we began to record and I was talking about one of the main kind of demonic tools, uh, which has directly to do with the shaming, uh, and the thought policing that you were kind of obliquely referencing the word for that. And people can look this up and I urge them to look it up. As a matter of fact, Mandara, I believe used this word. Um, it's been a favorite tool of the Vatican since Lord knows how long it's called an egregor. Uh, people might think of it as the idea of a demonic thing, but here's the catch. It's created by thought forms. And the more human thought forms that buy into the creation of this thing that will be called an egregor, uh, the more power and reach and these kinds of things it has. And this is what's going on. And, and, you know, I, I don't know how to communicate with people to underscore what you've just said about what people are doing in their jobs. If you are a religious person and you read the Bible with very few exceptions, every time you read the word spirit, you can substitute the word breath. So what's going on when you go out into a day and you're putting a corporate veil, which is what that mask is, over your spirit, basically? And as we were also saying, there's really not a lot of enforcement here in the United States, anyhow, for the people who have pushed back. So what that comes down to is our fear, our ignorance is what's driving this. And I know, uh, Owen, you were saying maybe 5% of the people where you are are falling in line with all this fear-based nonsense? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's where I think there's a little bit of words have meaning, as you like to say, which, you know, I'm a big fan of all you guys' work, and I love that you're doing all the legal stuff. It's very interesting. So just a little plug for you guys. But words have meaning. Constitution, you know, someone's constitution is their personal strength as much as it is a, a document of law. And so where I live in North Idaho, we have the same mandates. We have the same corporate terms and conditions and people just don't do it. And so that has no real power. And the constitution of the people here is very strong. And so seeing stuff like that has allowed me to see the way out that most of this, although I think it is one of these creepy Bavarian, whatever, I don't know what level, uh, you know, comes up with these type of spellcrafts, but I, I think it's a very bottom up enforcement where uh, they don't have any other enforcement except for each other uh, and shame and all and fear and all this stuff. So if you're living in an area with a high constitution, you know, where the constituency are strong people with strong moral backbones and they can see through the lies, there's no enforcement at all. And, you know, I was like I was like you where I saw through it very early, like in March, I did a video on YouTube before I was my backup channel was was kicked off where I said, name anyone you know that has died from this. I'm like, I, I, I can name 15 people that have died from addiction-related death or P 
PTSD related suicide or all kinds of stuff or cancer or obesity or despair, or all this stuff, name one person in your life. Don't look at statistics, name someone. And out of the thousands of people I was speaking to, no one could name a single person. And as that's this masquerade party has continued, it's only gotten more absurd. And so at that point, you have to know how do they enforcement? What are they trying to do? What can we do to be immune to it? Because obviously there is ways to be immune to it. When you look at, uh, as Jason was talking about Miami versus just the rural panhandle in the same state, you'll see completely different levels of enforcement. And it's the people doing it. It's the community. It's to fight against the atomization of yourself in order to be uh, hunted down and pegged off like a, like a wounded zebra, you know? Well, I, I think the things you're touching on uh, really come back to where we grow up and what's going on in our part of the country. Because what I've been noticing is the more self-sufficient areas, like where I am, they're still farming if you look for it. Um, these are pretty self-sufficient people, and these are not people out wearing masks. These are not people taking their marching orders. Um, and so I think what you're engaged in uh, with the farming and all these other things, getting back to the land, uh, this is really where we, it's like if you go all the way back to the Vatican and they came up with their pagan idea. Now that became a bad word for a lot of people uh, in the Christian tradition, but they never realized because they don't look at the words very often, or they didn't used to, to realize that basically what that was, was a person who lived in nature. And while the Vatican was defaming people who lived in nature to get them onto their playbook, they were right. adopting all these so-called pagan ideas, which were basically just natural sciences. And so all the way back, if it's hundreds of years or whatever the correct timeline is, we can see that one of the first thing that needs to happen is we've got to make these people dependent on us and we've got to separate them from nature. And so in your area, I'm guessing there's a lot more self-independence and by proxy, a lot less, okay, tell me what to do next, boss. Oh, exactly. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's the entire, that's the entire game is dependence. Where when I was, uh, I just had, my wife and I just had a baby and I was a comedian who who's, I've been painted on the walls of these comedy clubs in Hollywood. You know, I was wrapped at CAA, you know, a regular on a TV show, Leno, Fallon, Comedy Central specials, all of it. And to see that they could take it all away and they could take away my Twitter, my Facebook, my Instagram, my PayPal, my uh, ability to tour in comedy clubs and theaters. And they all miraculously agreed that I was uh, blackballed because I was a two-pronged threat. One, I wasn't going with the agenda. And two, I was proving that you didn't need an agent to be successful, that you can self-produce your own specials, that I didn't uh, grovel. I didn't beg for them. I said, okay, it is what it is. I'll shoot my own special and sell it. And so they really, really went after me to show the other comedians, the other slaves, what happens when you try and grow your own uh, career. But the good news is, is I learned so much about what it all means, you know, because I've been in this now for a year, a few years now. And the amount of people that were waiting for someone like me to be funny and to not uh, apologize for saying something obviously true to get their privileges back. And then I slowly started seeing how it all works. So if you give up your responsibility to grow food or to get your own milk or whatever, that's when the GMOs start trickling in. That's when they start using bigger and bigger, more obscene, more absurd uh, farms that, that literally eliminate the nutrition from the food. 
the more you uh, rely on online banking, because we already have a digital currency, dollar, it's ones and zeros. You know, the, the more you rely on that, the more they can affect your behavior. And that's the real currency is, is compliance. You know, the money is just gold stars from, from a teacher's desk. It's, it, it doesn't matter. And so the more I saw that, the more I realized that the people in my life, the people on my street, the people that had knowledge of how to get goat milk, you know, now I have a herd of goats. We grow our own food. I, I train with my friends about self-defense with guns and all that stuff. And the more you do that, you realize they have no power over you. That what they're trying to do is take away something that five years ago you would have seen as silly. You know, like if you told me 10 years ago that someone would take away my Twitter and I would weep, I, I did. I'm not going to lie. I, I cried when it happened. I, I'm a pretty tough dude, but I, I was like very distraught because I was like, oh no, now I, I can't have a job, but I, I still wouldn't comply. I didn't cry a lot. It wasn't like bawling, but there was some, some rugged tears rolled down my cheek. But if you told me 10 years ago that that was, that someone could take away something called a Twitter, I would laugh and say, what's a Twitter? And so I think a good way to understand what's happening right now is to extrapolate and look at how absurd it would be in the future. Like what, let's say in the future, everyone wears something called a whisper helmet. You know, I was coming up with this on the stream the other day and people were laughing, but I'm like, dude, this is real. You know, let's say everyone has a whisper helmet. And if you don't agree that COVID-19 is the ultimate killer in the world, you lose some whispers telling you you're a good person. You know, and people are like, oh, this is ter this is terrible. I need my whispers. And it's like, I, I have to do what I have to do to get my whispers. And so I and people laugh. I'm like, dude, it's the same thing. Because what happened to me is, you know, I was kicked off so many things that I went back to the P.O. box which is more fundamental Americana, more constitutionally protected. And I ended up being more prosperous, more connected to my, my supporters. You know, they, they send me um, handmade hats and handmade swords and, and letters and, and money and silver and seeds and anything they can think of. And it's so much more living and alive than the, the PayPal I was just uh, uh, so upset I had lost. And so the more I see that, and then even, even the, the post office, you have to comply by not bringing a gun in. You know, there's probably a time when, when, uh, they said no guns in the post office and they were men, they were like, I, I will not comply. But for me, that's no problem. So I, I see it as this long ladder of privileges and what are you willing to do and what the higher jurisdiction asks of us to love thy neighbor, honor God, you know. And, and I heard a great quote uh, that, that nature is God's thoughts. You know, it isn't separated like the Vatican wants us to think, that you can see the algorithms and the truth and beauty of God in nature everywhere, and that the Bible was originally written for a pagan people. Like, that's why all the, all the stories have to do with farming, because the farming people are a strong people. You know, a, a community is a strong thing. And so when you understand what the blood moon is and the harvest moon and when, and, and what the sky clock is and what it's telling you to do at different times of the year, you realize how powerful you are and how little these, these people have on us. And so if we just get 10 families, you can celebrate Christmas, you can trick or treat without masks on, you can have Easter, you can homeschool, you can defend yourself, you can grow all your food, none of it coming from Bill Gates. That's 10 families. And so that's what I've been actively doing 
still as a comedian, you know, I, I'm, I'm maintaining that that's what I do <laughs> is, is building. Like it's our responsibility to build up an alternative to this crumbling Babylon and it's fun and it's, in it's, it's exciting and it's very interesting. And so, yeah, that's just a little bit about what I'm up to. Before I chuck it over to Jason, um, I was going to ask you, but I, I guess I know the answer. Um, if you're still able to work as a comedian, but I know you do here and there get work. I know you showed up at the flat earth and some other things, but I wanted to mention before I chuck it over to Jason, um, people are starting to catch on, uh, that the system that we came up in thinking this is normal, it's not normal. It's just one huge control mechanism. And what you just said there is the reason because human beings are the most powerful things there are. We're the apex here. And when we figure out what's what, or if we go back to the old, old, before perversion ideas of what the great work was, it was basically, look at nature, there's God's example to you, or the creator's example, however you choose to think of that, um, the highest authority, maybe we could say that, and you figure out how it works, then you're going to know all these things that get you on your way to become more than you currently are. Those were the ideas. Now, yeah. when, when, when this has started, immediately I started watching all the TV listings because I understand that that is the scaffolding that is holding this illusion, this house of cards. That is a key, that is the messaging center for the scaffolding at this point. It's not just TV. It's internet, it's streaming. You notice everyone's going to streaming. Um, movies used to do this in the 70s as a, as a backdrop, as a more powerful backdrop to TV. But the other night they played, uh, what's the movie there, Jason, where they have the bomb, the Kubrick movie. What's it called? Dr. Strangelove. There it was. So it's playing again. And there's a soliloquy by a general who's not crazy, who is painted as crazy, who basically tells you the truth. And there's a whole soliloquy that he does about the essence and the purity of your body fluids and what they're doing with fluoride. And my God, they're going to put it in everything. And there's all these subtle tells in this movie that is so over the top as to only be taken as comedy, which is where people get lost. Not only is it programming you and offering you true things while you do the wrong thing in life, it's serving all these purposes for the agenda that's going on. But one of the things I was noticing as I went back to get a couple snippets out of that movie was the general kept putting gum in his mouth right after the general told you that's one of the places they're putting all the crap you don't want in your body. And he's, you know, George C. Scott is basically bat crap crazy in that. And then I noticed they started running things like Groundhog Day. How many people out there know what that movie is actually about? That movie is about lives. It opens up with a shot of heaven. It closes with a shot of heaven. And people are led to think it's just this comedic situation, but he can't quit being reborn until he grows the hell up and treats people decently and learns some things in this world. That's the entirety of what that movie is about. How many people have ever taken the time to watch it? And yet it's being used now to bolster these things. Even probably one of the best Jack Black movies called Big Year. It's about birding. The simply the title of that alone is being bolstered now because 2020 is their big year, isn't it? But there's my big ramble, Jason. You want to jump in on all this? So, Owen, I don't know if I've ever really gotten to ask you, what was the first eye-opening thing you had? Obviously, you would have still been working in Hollywood and doing your normal comedy tours and all that. Was there a an aha moment kind of thing with you where you're like, hey, that doesn't look right or that doesn't feel right. That doesn't seem right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've always been like that because I'm a comedian. You know, I've, uh, 
if you look back at stuff that I did 15 years ago, it almost looks like I was pre-programming because, you know, I did a, a series called gay town for Sony where it was a gay world where I was a closet heterosexual. And there was the gay gang that was hazing me called the rain bros. And I was doing fantasy baseball in a park bathroom and I'm getting arrested. You know, it, if you look at that, you'd, you'd think, wow, did you know something? Were you in the Illuminati window getting uh, orders? And, and no, it was just the art of it. You know, it's how comedy sees the world. It sees it very uh, clearly. But as far as the big conspiracy stuff, I didn't pay much attention. You know, I was beating the war drums after uh, 7-Eleven was a part-time job, just like everybody else. But I think once I saw... You know, and I, I voted for Barack Obama in 2008, and I thought that liberals just wanted everybody to be able to be themselves and express themselves. And and so I didn't even think about it until the, the, the trans child movement I saw as just such naked abuse. And so then I started seeing more and I started seeing stuff about abortion. I started seeing stuff about wars and I started seeing stuff that I, I couldn't unsee. And then I started looking at the moon landing. It was almost like something in my head shifted where I, I said, oh, wow, there's some possibilities in this world that I didn't think were remotely possible. And then this dude, Eric Dubay, was like constantly coming in my chat when I was still on YouTube and telling me the world was flat and all this. And I found him very annoying. I even created this whole, um, I'm not here to talk smack. I mean, at all, I'm just letting you know, this is the story. And it, it, I, I'm not like, it, I was very public about this at the time because I called it like woke raping where I'm like, dude, I I'm good. Just stop. It's like, and so I came up with this character called Savanier where he's like, Oh my God, look at my proofs. Is your mind now gravy? You know? And so I thought that, <laughs> look at it. I bet you'll never be the same. Look at me. Look at my proofs. You're never going to, your mind is now pure gravy. Admit, admit. And so, <laughs> and so at the time I'm like, no, the world's a spinning ball. This guy's crazy. So I asked all my friends and all the, you know, I used to do a physics podcast at Caltech. I'm not exactly a lightweight in in the science world, my parents are college professors. You know, I'm like, I, I think I have a pretty good grasp here. My dad teaches debate and rhetoric and all this. I think I'm going to smoke the guy. So I keep asking everybody to give me the best proofs that the world is a spinning ball. And the more the proofs came that were just completely absurd, the more I got extremely frustrated and kind of scared that the world might not be a spinning ball. And so, you know, I started drinking, <laughs> I started drinking some more white claws at my uh, fire because, you know, I'm, I, I have a lot of faults. I, I, I have a temper. I can, I can fly off the handle, speak on stuff I don't know a lot about. I, I used to have a lot of issues with like lust and stuff. But one thing I'm not is a liar. And so I couldn't, like with a clean conscience, debate a guy on something that I don't think is right anymore. And so as the time, that was a big shift for me because once you start seeing that the earth may not be a spinning ball and, it, and the, the proof that it was a spinning ball was so absurd. You know, they're talking about the Coriolis effect and stuff and how snipers have to factor in <laughs> the spin of the earth. And I'm like, I shoot long range bullets. That's not real. And so the anger and the fear uh, lasted for maybe a month. And I know a lot of people enjoyed watching that process. That but but wait, if I'm not mistaken, Owen, you had the nugs to go on you. Was it David Weiss or someone put a camera yeah. in your face as you started to come to grips and realize, well, I guess I can hear things west of me. <laughs> yeah. 
That's a spinning earth yeah, joke. And, <laughs> yeah. And so then I created some characters to help people uh, laugh through it because it's so jarring that like trying to explain it to somebody is so over the top. So we created a Glober sniper that just misses every shot. You know, it's like Globe or Sniper. And he's like, factor in the spin. And his spotter's like, then we'll miss. We miss every time. And then we had Globe Earth uh, pilot where he just keeps factoring in the curve and he just keeps crashing. And so stuff like that, I think, helped me and other people kind of digest it uh, because it's, it's it was so intense. And I was that that's why I even stopped drinking, because I I found myself drinking to avoid you know, just to, because it, I, I was having a hard time dealing with it, but then the more you just accept it and the, the mystery of it, you know, I don't even say I'm, I'm a quote, quote unquote flat earther. I, I say I'm a realm earther because I'm like, I accept the mystery of it. Like, I don't know what it is. I just know what it is not. And so I I've, I've accepted that and I'm a lot happier and healthier. I had it. Oh, and as far as comedy goes, yeah, we started our own channel unauthorized.tv. We have our own servers, so we can't get kicked off allegedly. And I still do tours. You know, I started doing tours in local businesses. Like if someone Book, owned a warehouse, sorry for interrupting, but booking. Yeah, yourself. yeah, totally. Yeah. And I, and I'd sell out, you know, I had, I just did a documentary called, and a special called you're doing, you're doing good. Uh, you're doing great kid. And that's it unauthorized.tv. And I filmed it in an airplane hangar in Ohio, you know, packed it all myself, you know, like th that's the thing is I would, I would rent a theater with my own money and they would return the money even after I sold out and say that, you know, that we don't want your kind around here. And, uh, and then the next week they'd have like Chip and Dale's dancers or something like that. There was no moral reason. And I'm not, uh, I'm one of the reasons I think I threatened the, the agenda so much is because I'm not a, div a divisive comic. Like if you see me live, you would see liberals and conservatives and white and black and all kinds of people walking out laughing, saying that's my guy. And that's, that's something that really scares uh, the agenda because the agenda functions completely on atomizing people, isolating them, making them feel crazy and alone, you know, getting them addicted, all that stuff. So comedy has a way of, of uh, leaving that. And so I, I not only didn't, lose my comedy career, I start, I, I made more money now. I like can tour, I have more freedom. And that's what started the great bear trail. If you go to the great I started saying, let's, let's set up farms. Let's set up Write to me. If you have a barn I can perform in, and that way we don't have to go through these regulations and these boards of directors that all mysteriously get the same debt money from the same agenda. So we started doing that. And as, as the last couple of years have went by, we now have thousands of people on the great bear trail. And most of it are homesteaders, small businesses. And there's this like interactive map where that like people have gotten married, had children, they all support each other. They, they shop within the great bear trail. And it's almost like this nation within a nation where people, you know, and then I, I raised funds so I could buy uh Bertaria land in North Idaho, where it's, uh, Bertaria. where yeah, yeah Bertaria. <laughs> onward to Bertaria. And so, and so, you know, the theme was castles and airships. And so what we now have is a uh, land privately owned by me on a, on a river. It's called Ursa Rio. I live in uh, Ursa Manor and, um, and any, the people that donated can, can, uh, uh, camp there with their families for free. And if they want to have a wedding, uh, they can have it there. You know, it's, it's, um, uh, 
in-group preference. You know, I, I used to be kind of angry at like kosher and stuff like that, where I would know a lot of my Jewish friends that would kind of only shop with each other and keep it really inclusive. And it was very, uh, I thought it was a lot of nepotism and all that. And then I started thinking, why don't we do that? Like, why don't we start forming a community? And then if you want to buy a candle, first check the bear trail and see if a bear is selling candles. And that way you keep your currency, your current, your energy within your own closed system. And then it grows like a Tesla coil. And I'm, I'm witnessing it on a profound level. I mean, tons of babies are being born. Tons of people are getting into gardening. And once you see your first crop grow, your first tomato plant grow, even in an apartment, that it's even more inspiring when it's on someone's balcony, you know? There's a, a freedom in it where you start thinking, wow, I, if I'm kicked out of traitor Joe's with a T, I, I, I'll be okay, you know? And then you realize one of the biggest spells is, um, is scarcity, that everywhere there's soil, there's food, there's unlimited food. And everywhere there's human beings, there's, there's friends, there's, there's uh, potential family members, there's people that can help you. And, and when you see that, it's one of the greatest spells in the world. I don't know, sounds very Jesuit to me. I don't know who did the spell, but that there's a limited amount of everything and that we're, they're, they're constantly uh, closing the system and the maze on the rats until they eat each other. When in reality, you can grow a preposterous amount of food. You know, I'm up every morning. The, the, the flip side though is the responsibility is insane, but it's fun. You know, it keeps your mind from just obsessing about UN troops and uh, vaccines, you know, because I know that that can happen to myself and a lot of people that don't have, you know, to wake up at six in the morning and, and milk like icy cold teats from my, you know, 20 goats. But there's nothing like showing my kids raw milk with all that good bacteria in it. And my wife, you know, my three sons now, just being able to bring them that, that nourishment. It, it's like I beat the cabal every day. And it's, it really is an incredible feeling to be able to accept the responsibility of food and, and uh, accept the responsibility of helping your neighbors. Because then, you know, in the end of the day, like when you do good things for other people and bring other people milk or eggs in a time of fear, like they have your back for life. I've seen it with my own life over and over again. Just the fact that I've made people laugh, you know, years later, you know, they'll send me like a thousand bucks and be like, build Bertaria, big bear. And I'm like, this is not fair market value for one joke, you know? And they're like, they're like, dude, you know, we're doing great. Enjoy it. Crush. And I'm just like, man, this is a wonderful world. And so that's how I think we really shame the devil is just build and just, and if you don't grow food, that's fine. You know, like, bro, you know, everything about this guy. So it's like, like Jason's making this audio great. Like those are awesome skills. And so people, you know, cause my skill set is pretty not super helpful in an apocalyptic situation. It's like, I require a campfire and I, I got to make people laugh a lot to get food. So I was like, all right, but th that's really how it is. It's just about trading with your community. Like some people are really good at fixing cars. I don't know anything about a car. You know, but, um, and the more you see that, that they, all their power requires us to comply and say, I need what you have, uh, scary Bavarian Jesuit cabal guy. And we don't, you know, Fiat, you know, you hit on, you hit on a couple things there. Uh, maybe 
we could describe the Italian description of the world, which is actually what NASA's pushing these days, the updated version of the Italian description of the world. That's maybe the biggest egregor of all time. Certainly got to be among them. Um, so you can start to see how the minds are fooled. But you have a similar problem because I heard you just do it and I do it all the time. And my problem is, is I learned to speak in the way I do. So correcting myself on the fly kind of breaks my thing. But I would suggest to you that maybe you don't sell out anymore. Maybe you just build a house. I think that might be cathartic to understand. Um, because in, you know, as you were talking about what was going on in Hollywood, and I'm going to touch on another thing in there in a second, they always say selling out, don't they? Uh, and words do have meaning. So how did that phrase come to us? And we know how it's controlled, but where were you at back when the mainstream was pushing? What was the black comics named Martin Sum who wigged out in the middle of the street? Then we had Dave Chappelle supposedly losing his biscuits and running off because of what was being done to him. And then later coming back on that crazy studio show where the dry dude runs it and looking into the camera saying something's gone wrong here. We all know it. And we all don't know who's doing it. Where were you when all that started to go on? Because as I went back and reviewed some of the crazy things we've seen come out of Hollywood, it did occur to me that most of these people started out just trying to make a living. And it seems like it got out of hand by inches, but there were some very public demonstrations of people just being crushed by the complete insanity of a system gone haywire. Oh, so where was I when Chappelle went to Africa? Is that what you were asking? Like, you, you went well, where, I mean, mentally, where were you when all these supposed public things to whatever degree the media did? I mean, there were people yeah. like, like Chappelle is the prime example. There are a couple others where they looked into the camera after the fact and said there is something horribly wrong here. And you can see the honesty in their face when they're saying it. And, and they're saying things like, we don't know how it happened, where it's coming from or how to deal with it. That was my takeaway. But the point being, they were trying to say something is horribly off the rails here. Yeah, man. Well, I think that I had the same problem that a lot of NASA uh, engineers had, where it's highly compartmentalized, where I was bussing tables and on the show Punked when I was 23, 24 years old in Hollywood. So I would bus tables, and uh, try and get as many people as I could to a show that I created at the Improv at midnight because they, they couldn't get a crowd. So I would get people that I was uh, cleaning up after to go. While I was doing that, I was getting some like commercial gigs from people I knew. I was uh, waiting in the back of the Improv for when one of these uh, fancy pants comedians, you know, like the, the Improv would be like Seinfeld, Chris Rock, Zach Galifianakis, you know, the lineups were insane. And they knew I, I was funny, but I didn't have the credit. So if any of them didn't show up because they were, you know, off lollygagging, uh, they'd put me on. And so my whole life was so structured that when the Dave Chappelle thing happened, I just was like, oh man, uh, he went a little wacky. And then I'd just be like, okay, my sets tonight are at 8, 10, 11, 15, 12, 30. You know, I have to wake up at 8 AM, start working out, working at the thing. Like I didn't have the processing capabilities to really see the big picture. And I think a lot of it changed for me is when I had a child and I realized how great people are if they're not traumatized and abused. And I'm seeing that now, you know, with homeschooling and like we homeschool with the Mennonites, you know, uh, I'll tell you a funny story about that in a second, but like, so I'm in Hollywood and I didn't register a lot of that stuff. You know, I would see the agendas in shows and I would see that they were pushing 
like un unnaturally pushing broken families, all kinds of weird stuff, like feminism to a degree of man hatred, abortion, uh, getting rid of guns, all everything that I now see like nakedly. I always just assumed it was the more of the political lean of the producers. But now I don't think that I think that they're the producers are just uh, useful pawns that believe all of it. And it goes way higher than them. But when I, when Chappelle went to Africa, you know, I just thought he went a little crazy and I was real glad he came back, but I didn't have very many thoughts on it. You know, I didn't, that's the interesting thing about exile is, uh, until they kicked me out of the rat race, you know, and they fired my mother from being a professor too, for, uh, uh, not condemning me and for laughing at some of my jokes and stuff, real, real nasty stuff until you're kicked out of the rat race, sometimes you don't have the time or the quiet to really reflect on anything. That's why, you know, I try not to be too hard on the people I sometimes call the meat puppets that are just blindly doing everything they're told because I've experienced that myself because you just don't have any processing speed or, you know, <laughs> you're, you're, it's almost like a computer that's so slow. You can't do any apps that like you're so extended in your life to, to pay your bills, to, you know, if you have a highly competitive job, all that stuff that you don't really see it. And then when you exile, sometimes is the greatest gift you can have because that quiet, you know, just that the, the few weeks of reflection, once the fear goes down, you're like, wow, what was I just doing? You know, I bet that happens a lot in the military. I bet it happens a lot in, you know, people with very violent jobs where, you know, I, I know a lot of people that have come home from war and the quiet drives them a little crazy because they can now reflect on some of the things that they were engaged in. And um, yeah, I think that happened to me when it came to Hollywood. And I think that happens to a lot of people where at the time I just was like, oh, wow, that's pretty funny. And then I just kept going with my day. And now looking back, I, you know, I'm watching Chappelle on talking to Oprah about the dress and all this stuff. And then how he sold out later to get back on Netflix and how he stole one of my jokes word for word. Like I did. I, uh, I remember that. I saw that. You I that? saw, yeah, I saw the side by side. I heard, I heard it said, and I wondered if it was correct. And then I saw the side by side. Uh, there is no doubt. Yeah. And so, you know, that's what the agenda people do is, is one thing I've noticed about the dark forces is they can't really create. They pervert, distort and mimic. And so the amount of jokes that have been stolen from me now is I just take it as a compliment and I just, uh, I just don't, I don't let it bother me, but you didn't lose what they, you know, they stole from you, but you didn't lose what many of those folks, I mean, how, how many clips have we seen Owen where people it's even indescribable. Mostly it's been African-Americans. There's been a couple white examples. It's hard to know Brittany to what degree that was just a media show, but that's another example of people apparently being completely out to lunch in their own skin. If you know what I'm getting yeah. at here, you know what I'm talking about, but any, why, why don't we pull it around? I, I asked those questions cause I figured people would probably wonder. Um, but I, to be honest with you, I'd much rather talk about now and, and things that, uh, that we think are important now. Uh, Jason, you want to, you want to jump in and try to pull us back around? Yeah. Well, I think it's obvious at this point that there's an agenda going on from the top down. And I don't know if you were able to encounter any of that to have an understanding that things are being pushed. Uh, you were saying something about producers and all that. I have no doubt that 
however this stuff works, and I don't think any of us really know, but there's stuff coming down from much higher up, and people are being told what to do at the ground level of these different productions and all that. Yeah. But obviously, it's being done. And I always use the example of Star Wars. Disney spent a fortune buying Lucasfilm to make Star Wars movies that are absolute trash. Yeah. You know, it's like... (laughs) How do you lose money yeah. on a Star Wars movie? You know, that like people aren't buying the toys, they're losing their fans because there's so much agenda being pushed in that that a lot of people are just like, screw this, I'm out, sadly. Yeah, amen. At the next generation, doesn't it seem like, Jason? You know, the people now are buying, so it almost feels like they're banking on people 10, 20 years from now looking back, you know, at fond remembrance, um, which they can't pull off now because most people are unimpressed. Matt from Quantum of Conscience actually sold me on that. Well, at first, it sounded so preposterous that they would trash something on purpose. Like at first, I was, uh, I was just like, "Oh, come on!" Now that's just because they're they're SJWs. They don't know, you know, they don't know their market. And then the more I listened to them talk about it, I'm like, "Yeah, that makes no sense." Like, why would they make it so bad and then continue to make it bad when any reasonable person can do market research? And realize that it's 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 like suicide what they're doing, you know? Yeah, that's why I use Star Wars as the example. But there's plenty of other major intellectual properties that they're doing too. They're trying to do to the MCU now. So we know there's an agenda here and that the money must not matter anymore. Because, I mean, seriously, how do you take a shit on Star Wars and lose money? Like, that's not possible. You should be able to literally print money with the Star Wars license, and they've mangled it. So we know but, this is yeah. an agenda. We know it doesn't matter anymore. We know that the, only the agenda matters for the most part. And the thing I've always been curious about, and I don't think I'll ever get an answer to this, is does anyone have to answer to anybody? Like, it can't be that they could lose money constantly. They can't spend a couple hundred million dollars making a production and it go in the red. I don't know. It just doesn't quite equate yet. I mean, does money really, truly not matter? And they could tell shareholders to go screw off. It doesn't matter because we're pushing this agenda. I don't know. I don't know where it's at. But anyway, it sounds like you were in Hollywood when that stuff was really ramping up. Now it's just everywhere. Now it's yeah. just everywhere and it's absolutely sickening. Like, you cannot watch Star Trek, Star Wars, Doctor Who used to be one of my favorites. They're all decimated with this crap. They've been introducing it in the MCU. It's going on. There's no doubt about it. What's an MCU? Oh, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's a joke. Well, it used to be really cool. You know, they they did a good job with it earlier on, and then they started turning it into what what the nerds are calling the (laughs) MCU. And they pushed all the men to the side. And anyway, it's a thing. It's obvious there's something going on. So I was curious if you'd seen any of that from the ground level, but I think you may have been there in the earlier days where it wasn't quite so apparent. Yeah. But there's no doubt at this point that Hollywood is liberal madness and the things they say and do, like they were encouraging the rioting and the looting. And then they wonder why people are leaving California and not buying their products. People don't want to go and support them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think the way they separate it for the liability shields is what I, what people like me would see is just people looking to buy scripts. And even the president of one of these companies, I don't even think is quote unquote in on it because I think there's more layers that say, this year we want a script with a female 007 or something, find it. And so then they they have this entire web where it's like, okay, you get, uh, you, we, we'll buy scripts and then we pilot it. And then on all those levels, it's like, well, we're looking for a very, masculine looking female character that is biracial. It's like, Oh, okay. And so 
so many levels. I think it's just like building the lem for NASA. I think there's a lot of really smart people that to this day is like, we put men on the moon. I built this thing and nobody was telling me it was fake. And so I started really seeing it towards the end there, but I just uh, attributed it to the internal world of like people that I thought were kind of crazy. And now I'm starting to think that, yeah, I don't think money matters at all. You know, as someone who's sued one of the platforms that kicked me off and is still suing them, you know, one of my strategies was had to do with making it financially expensive to kick people off. I'll just tell you, Patreon, you know, you can look it up. And so when you follow their terms and conditions and take them to arbitration, they, according to their terms and service, have to pay all the fees. So if they kick someone off, they break contract with not only that person, but all of their subscribers. So uh, I followed that up and we, you know, did a very successful thing with uh, uh, having a lot of my subscribers uh, initiate arbitration in which they would pay, you know, 20, 30 times more of the cost. And hopefully I would get back on the platform and they would admit they're wrong and everyone would uh, live happily ever after. But I started realizing that it appeared that they don't care about market forces. That It's almost like there is this, this fiat debt-based right. uh, compliance currency where they can just send money to these places. You know, yep. I'm alleging, you know, could it be, I'm asking a question, staying in honor, whatever you want to call it, that uh, something like Patreon is so valuable to a lot of these agendas because it's a way to pay out all these foot soldiers with fake audiences, you know, where it's like, oh, this Antifa member has a thousand patrons that just love what they're doing. And they all seem to be out of Bavaria. You know, that's obviously a joke, but not really. So when you have some, when you have these giant consciousness or money laundering, could it be staying in honor, asking questions, not making claims, but like when you have these uh, systems in place, they're much more valuable than money. You know, money is a means to get compliance, no different than a teacher giving you a gold star. You know, it would be the, like robbing a bank is the equivalent of shooting your teacher to get gold stars because you think there's some kind of value in them. The only value is. is, is how much you want, uh, approval from your teacher. And so that's why I'm breaking off of that. And my currency is, uh, more about healthy food, uh, relationships with neighbors, skill sets, and people can poo-poo that all they want and act like I'm an idealist or whatever, but I'm not. The eight major currencies, only one of them is, is uh, money, and it's assumed it isn't fiat. You know, fiat money is not very valuable. And so when people sell out their, their heritage, their children, their morality, their health, their time for this paper with these creepy-ass pyramids on the back, you got to ask yourself, what is the currency? And the currency is compliance. So when you have one of these companies like Disney or Sony or whatever, and they comply to whatever agenda is way above them, you know, above the insurance companies, above all of it, they get uh, their gold stars from teacher. And then it trickles down into our society and perverts it to the point where we think that we need to put ball gags on our children to send them to school where they're not allowed to hug another child. Uh, so that we can make a living to buy Netflix, Hulu, and poison-based food sources. And I'm, and the irony about all of it, it's just like whisper helmet, just take off the whisper helmet. Like you can split a couple acres with some families for very little money. And it, and it isn't idealistic to say you can live in a yurt. You can grow your own food. You can get off the, the dime. Uh, you can get off the compliance-based poison tit 
of the, the fiat system. Because the reason I'm, I'm even hopeful for the system itself is because it's reached its point where the fleas have killed the dog. So they're faced with a really interesting thing and they're calling it the global reset. But I don't even know what that means. And I don't even know if I'm sure they're they plan ahead. I know how they are, but like I don't know how you exploit labor and value from people that sit around watching pornography in their mom's basement all day. You need to exploit, you know, a <laughs> uh, little advice to the elite controller uh fleas. In order to be a successful parasite, the dog has to be eating food, the dog has to be mobile. And I think they try they're they're to the point where the dog is almost dead. And then what do they do? And that's why I'm branching out and making things of quality, you know, being a good neighbor, being a good father, because those things cannot be taken down by the Babylonian nonsense machine. So I, I think you said some such, such critically important things. And if you take logic as your uh, right hand tool that you bust out first, we could ask simple questions like. Is Hollywood's agenda any different than the central banks or the governments? We can clearly show they're not, right? Turn on any channel you want. They're all singing the same tune. Um, yep. Turn on any elective nonsense for the supposed election that's not an election. It's all the same nonsense. So what we understand is exactly what you said to be correct. Fiat is worthless. And there's spiritual overtones there because we are acting like a thing with absolutely no value in a natural world has value. That's a perversion. Uh, that's yep. why usury is a perversion because a deer could have babies, but a bold gold coin cannot, which is why it was a deadly sin at one point. Point is, is Jason, if you recall back when we did the Disney episode, you and I were going to read how many properties Disney owned. And we realized we couldn't do it in the amount of time we had. <laughs> so we talked about, going to do the shuttered or closed businesses. And then we realized it would probably take almost 40 minutes to read the list of closed businesses. And so what you become to logically provably demonstrate is what Owen said is true. It's fiat. If they want a yeah. hundred gazillion buckets of fiat somewhere, however it works in their little perverse ring, a hundred million buckets of fiat show up somebody. But it's even worse than that. And Owen pointed that out too. It's ones and zeros. So the damn buckets with the paper don't even got to materialize. Can I add a quick point about what you just said? Because fiat is so destructive that when we moved to Idaho, I swore that I would get out of the fiat cycle with buying homes. So we bought this place without any debt. And so we live in 600 square foot finished area of a barn on 10 acres. And one of the reasons I did that, and I'll tell you something right now, uh, there is a spiritual weight that's lifted when you don't have a mortgage. There's something odd that happens. A death and I know debt. some, yeah. And I know, and I live in a barn with I, like my whole family sleeps in one room that used to be a washroom. You know, I live very humbly and I've never felt wealthier. And it's because there, there is something about living in the upside down. And I know some people will be like, Oh, it must be nice to, to have your own. No, no. The way it works is the amount of money I had like people would fall into the trap where I would then buy a hundred acres. I would get a compound and I would put 10%, 20% down. And I would also be screwing over my neighbors because it would raise the property value. It's one of the many reasons why fiat is so deadly because what I see in North Idaho, the, the biggest threat is not the UN troops, it's uh, home prices. So you never want an area where the working class, the cops, the firefighters, the shop owners can't afford houses in the, in the very neighborhood they work in. 
that's when you end up with police states. So I made a point that I wasn't going to add to that and buy something with 80% fake debt money uh, so that it would screw over all my neighbors' price of their home. My goal would be to have my home go, go down in value because that way it's less taxes and everybody can buy a house. So that's just a little, little thing I want to add. All right. Um, Jason's ping me. We're, we're up to the top of hour one. We're going to come back and we're going to get into a lot more things. Anything you want to add in? I think we're getting closer, Jason. Well, Owen, I absolutely want to hear about your community that you're setting up. I think it's the most amazing thing. And this is what we need to be doing as a whole, because this nonsense that they're doing right now is not going to stop. They're going to keep ramping it up very soon. And I'm putting this on the record. We're not going to hear about COVID-19 anymore. We're going to hear about (laughs) COVID-21. Blackjack, as Michael Hoffman wrote me cryptically, uh, he wrote that Blackjack. I knew exactly what he was talking about, and I knew it tied to 2001 and most of the things we've talked about. But that brings hour one of episode 267 to a close with Jason Langer and Owen Benjamin. Uh, we're going to regroup here. We're going to come back for a strong hour two. So join it. Well, if you're listening to this, you're already on Crow Triple Seven Radio. You want to hear hour two, log in or become a member at any level. There it is, man. Uh, let's let's regroup here. And I'd like to wish you all a happy, cool. healthy, and higher-minded end of this era, which in my view is right about a little more than a month away before I suspect we are firmly in to what the hippies like to call the age of Aquarius. There it is, man. Cheers.
Store. 